The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We've got some fun today. We're here to talk about the win over the Steelers and the defense in particular. And here to join me about that with <laughs> on that topic is Voss Larikos. Voss, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Rivalry wind always uh, puts a little pep in your step on a Monday. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you for starters. Sure. So I am the co-managing editor at Baltimore Beatdown. So feel free to join our conversation there. Uh, also on Twitter at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. All right. Outstanding stuff. Lots of good people over at Beatdown to, to talk football with. I always enjoyed that community when I was kind of going through a lot of different communities uh, at one time. Uh, we need to have a shout out to our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Please give their product a try. They've been good to us, and we want to make sure that they get some business from their advertising here. Uh, this is a much tougher game, in my opinion, 
to a, to attribute the win to either offense or defense. Last week it was easy. Uh, you know, the defense really did the job. The offense came up with a big drive. But this week, it's some of both. And and I think there's a lot of people who think the defense won this game all by themselves. I would say that's definitely not the case. I would completely agree. On my second watch through um, preparing for this podcast, I definitely noticed some flaws in the defense, maybe not quite the dominant performance that it appeared to be um, yesterday. Uh, we got some good injury news, and I think this is something to start with because the injury news is generally bad. And you know, you're in December in a National Football League season, you do expect injury news to be more bad than good. But the Ravens had three returning players, um, Stanley, Williams, and Dobbins, uh, all returned, and they all made huge contributions in this game. Stanley, even if he played at not that great a level, and we're still to look at that tonight, or we have not yet sat down with the uh, on the offensive line play. Uh, it was still way better than what the Ravens had there at left tackle last week. For sure. Big time impact from all three returning players. Uh, not sure they win this game without any of the three. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And Patrick Queen, who got an Oscar for his performance last week from from uh, Justin Matabike, Uh <laughs> You know, it's an interesting thing between the two of those because Queen should come up with now some sort of retributive prank that might bring the locker room a little closer to get on Matabike about his roughing the passer. Cause one thing Matabike said was, you know, he'd hit him in the thigh. And I, you probably saw the video that said, are you, t- are you telling me not to be great, not to come and hit you hard? Because I've got to be great to be great. I've got to hit you hard kind of thing. It's like, well, that's the roughing the passer penalty. Exactly. Uh, that happened this week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Matabike has a, I guess a knack for drawing those. I think we're going to get back to that topic in the mailbag eventually. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel certain that we will. Uh, but uh, Matabike, a, a pretty ticky-tack uh, uh, RTP. I'll let that out a little early in terms of uh, how I thought it was called. Uh, Absolutely. We saw some race car package last week, and this, this was an interesting thing because they had they had not used four outside linebackers on, this, on the field at the same time at any point this year. They did it twice last week. Two results of the play, sack minus five, run minus one. So you think, we'll see some more race car this week. And they've got all four active, and, of course, they didn't see it. And uh, I'm not saying it was the wrong call for the way this game went. We'll get into some of that. But I think a lot of fans still disappointed that David Ajabo has not been active. Um, I think I would agree with that statement for sure. I think you want to see him on the field at this point in the season just to kind of prepare for his second year. Um, And one of the players that many Ravens fans liked at that pick, I believe it was, was it 55? 45. Um, 45. Was uh, was George Pickens who yeah. who who had a pretty good game for the Steelers? So uh, one of those, you know, would you take? Do you want a job for three point, you know, three years and and change, uh, or Pickens for all four? I think you could probably make an argument either way. Yeah, I, I I definitely could, and I think I know which way I'd go at this point based on on where they've been. I I don't I don't think we've had this discussion yet. I brought it up a couple times on the show previously. But how do you feel about the notion that it's good for a player to fail forward at least in terms of getting some live fire in his first year? Get not not I'm not saying for a second that getting him back at practice wasn't a very big deal, but getting him on the field and learn some things about actual live fire NFL snaps can be something he can take into next year. No question. No question. It's beneficial. Uh, the, the speed of the NFL is a different game. And, uh, you know, uh, you're playing against grown men, um, as uh, I think it was a Ben Powers podcast yep. you did, where he was making that point. And it's it's a valid point. So 
yeah, the more experience you can gain, the better off you're going to be. We've seen that with some of the second-year players from the Ravens this year. Um, it, it's that developmental arc, and you want to start that arc, you know, climbing up the hill as soon as you can. Appreciate you plugging the Ben Powers podcast, too. One of the really fun ones ever to do. If you haven't listened to it already, it posted on the weekends. It's often a time where people sometimes miss the pod. But if you want to hear some great technical stuff about offensive line play, Ben Powers does a great job of explaining that. And now he wants to get the V of the neck of his opponent and you know where he's looking to punch and, and uh, how he looks to process from inside out uh, You know, on a play where he doesn't have an uh, – anyone to block but anyway uh it's out there please uh please take a listen if you can thanks for bringing it up boss mm-hmm. uh uh you know it looked like it was going to be a big day for the defense in this game i thought anyway when pickett got knocked out yes um you know when you look at the ravens defense they have the personnel to to really suffocate pretty much anybody i mean there is some some vulnerability in the slot cornerback but other than that i mean you got a pretty good looking starting 11, starting 10 with the sub packages and the depth. Um, you know, they, they, they made their, their presence felt and, and positively impacted the game with the takeaways. But as far as uh, limiting yardage and getting off the field for third down and all those sort of things, it wasn't dominant that, that maybe some are, are believing and, and putting their chest out this morning as, uh, as it was made out to be. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that in particular. Um, the weaknesses you're just talking about, I think the Steelers did a better job of exposing them than any of the Ravens' recent opponents. Uh, they they went after Humphrey with a big man, which is a little bit unusual, but they were successful at it. So that was bad. But more importantly, I think they were the they're the first team to really have any success going after Kyle Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know him at slot corner is an absolute necessity for the Ravens going forward, as I'd see. I agree. Uh, the only other corner that played was uh, Ardarius Washington. Um, practice squad elevation. I think he has one more elevation to go before he would be activated. A player that I was surprised they didn't make the initial 53. Also surprised mm-hmm. that he wasn't poached off the practice squad. Uh, but it does kind of uh, cast a little shadow on the future of Pepe Williams in particular because I think he was a player coming in that was pretty close to his ceiling. Um, you, he was supposed to be you know, he wasn't a Tariq Woolen or a Zion McCollum, some of the other corners drafted in his area who were physical uh, specimens that needed to refine their technique. Uh, Pepe was kind of a finished product. So if his skills don't translate to the NFL this year, you're not necessarily expecting him to make a leap next year. Fantastic point, boss. Absolutely fantastic point. And some of the same could probably have been said about our Darius Washington last year. The Ravens went out and they signed him to a very big deal for their undrafted free agents. In fact, you know, you have a limited Mm -hmm. amount of money. And I think he got, it was either a lot of the 100,000 total they have to spend, or he got 100,000 of something like 150,000 they have to spend. It was something like that, but he got by far the most of last year's class. Right, right. I remember that. And PFF was raving about his ability in in college at TCU. And Mm -hmm. uh, anyway. But anyway, he's this year, you know, the fact that he's a practice squad elevation and getting snaps over a guy who is a fourth round draft pick, who is a healthy scratch, is who had snaps early in the year, mm-hmm. you know, is a really, that is not a good sign at all. Obviously, the JAD, they've moved him over to, to, to IR now. Uh, you know, they did so, what, a couple of weeks ago now, but the, the, he is, um, I don't think they really consider him as the Peters replacement. Where does this put cornerback for you on the list of positions the Ravens need? 
right at the top. I, I think that you can make a strong case. They need two cornerbacks in, up in, in the offseason, whether one's a free agent or that means retaining Marcus Peters, maybe on a discounted deal from what he's been making uh, the last few years. Um, but you, you need somebody for the slot too. So you need two guys and you probably need a receiver and you traded your second round pick. So uh, it's going to be interesting how they, how they divvy up those, those resources this offseason. Yeah, they don't seem to be the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of being able to turn any mid-round wide receiver pick into a into a success. Of course, the Steelers aren't the Ravens in terms of being able to you know churn out mid-round offensive linemen and mid-round uh, uh, cornerback picks. In fact, they've had a lot of problems with second and third round cornerback picks. By now, you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take Liquid Death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take Liquid Death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. Oh, for sure. What was a, a Lane, Justin Lane or Jeremy Lane out of Tulane a couple of years ago? Uh, yeah, they've whiffed on quite a few corners. Yeah, Senquez, I always forgot this. Senquez Golson, is that the guy's name? Golston from yeah. uh, Mississippi, I believe. Yep. Golson was a pretty early pick. They've had quite a few first round picks yeah. that missed on too. Yeah. Artie Burns. <laughs> there you go. That's another good one. Oh, yeah. It's been a, it's, uh, it hasn't always worked out for them. Anyway, each team has their specialty, what we're getting into. Obviously, development of offensive linemen, a big deal in Baltimore, and development of wide receivers, a big deal in Pittsburgh. That made them an exceptionally good team to be able to really test the Ravens. And I'm fearful of the Ravens facing a true. 11 personnel team. And I don't even really think the Steelers are that. They played a lot of two tight end in this game, a lot of 12. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the teams that can put three wide receivers on the field should really give the Ravens a lot of trouble. And the teams that put four wide receivers on the field, I don't know what you do. I mean, it completely changes who you have to play. Yeah, it's I, – I don't want to go too far off the track, but I think it comes back a little bit towards the vision of the team after the Tennessee loss, after the 2019 season, and they built that team – to defeat a Tennessee and a Pittsburgh and a Cleveland, not necessarily to defeat a Kansas City and a Buffalo. Um, and that's, you know, kind of how it's played out since. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. And, and Buffalo is certainly one of the teams I'd be very afraid of, but also the big one in the division is Cincinnati. So mm-hmm. you have to play them twice a year and yet you might have to play them a third time in the playoffs as, as things, you know, are looking now. Uh, I, I mean, that could literally be the four or five matchup coming out of this if if we're not careful with a three six matchup for that matter yeah. um but it could happen right away uh what else do we want to set, talk about here 
I think one of the interesting things about the defense was they did a really good job of sitting back on unforced errors in this game. Um, yeah, I think so for sure. They McDonald's game plan, and I think we'll get back into it a little bit more. I thought he mixed it up pretty well. It was pretty basic, I thought. Um, and there certainly were some deceptive elements, but I, I overall the, the general game plan scheme I thought was was pretty good. Uh, I, I'm I'm okay with it. We'll talk about a little bit about the pass rush late, later. The more the rough, the Ravens tried to do in terms of pass rush, the more they did the Steelers a favor, which is exactly the opposite of what I would have thought would have happened. First of all, with Pickett, I thought that's a guy you need to you need to figure out how you're going to make him make errors. That's the key thing to beating him. He's a rookie quarterback. If you want to pressure him to get errors, that's fine. If that doesn't work, you want to sit back and let him you know not see closing linebackers like two had interceptions in this game that's great but figure out how you're going to make him make errors is a big big way to beat the pittsburgh steelers they they ended up being able to do that with trubisky but they tried a lot of things that didn't work out we'll get to in the pass rush a little bit later in terms of of exactly what didn't work a lot of bliss blitzes were picked up effectively and Mm -hmm. uh they also had uh, at least two or three opportunities where they had the quarterback in the grasp and he was able to wriggle out. So, you know, ball out quick too. That's another aspect as well. Yeah, and and it's it's not to be lost in all this. While he threw a couple of interceptions with ample time and space and one with ball out quick, he was unbelievably good under pressure in this game. He had what I'll call an inverted game as a passer, meaning he was much better under pressure. And we get to that a lot because the stats are amazing. They're some of the best, some of the most extreme I've ever seen. Uh, in terms of individual play, I thought this was a game where where really nobody came away with zero warts. As we did our notes, I mean, even the good players. I mean, and I don't I don't um, cherry pick the notes. I, when when I do notes for star treatment, I put in every note on a player, the good and the bad, because I want it to be a balanced you know look at how that player played during the game. And you know, even our best players, Queen and and Smith, certainly had their share of bad notes in this game. Yes, I would agree. I, preparation, uh, trying to decide on my MVPs of the game, it was it was a tough choice. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, the block field goal. Uh, we don't have a special team show, so we'll just hit on uh, the defense. And Campbell's a defensive player. Uh, the, the the description at the microphone was just wonderful in terms of of how that was called late. That you you caught it, I assume. The audible, right? right. Yeah. So the story is. Do you, do you want to tell it? No, go ahead, please. Chris Horton apparently pulled him over on the sideline. And says, you know, we 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 think you can get over the center and and, and get a block. And, and he just called it at the at the last minute. He said they hadn't practiced it or anything. And the NFL they don't allow you to line up over center. Mm-hmm. And I don't exactly know what the rules are on hitting the long snapper, but there are, there is some difference to it. I think he has to be, you know, he has to be fin- completing the snap and stood up, and then you can push him. Okay, so. Basically, didn't even try and drive at him. He, he basically just kind of walked at him and got his hands high. And and you know, apparently, some, a little bit of ground was given, and Boswell uh, maybe kicked the ball a little lower than he should have. And uh, and you know, hand is up. The block is good. Uh, it, it's just it had a huge impact on the game. And and so I went back and I looked at all of the blocks in Ravens history that have occurred. There have been twenty two times the Ravens have blocked a field goal. The last two were by Campbell. 
and both of those led to Ravens wins. Now, I don't know if you remember it, but against the Colts last mm-hmm. year, huge block field goal against what Rodrigo Blankenship, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, the goggles. <laughs> and that that allowed that game still to go to overtime with a score and a two point conversion to Andrews. Then, of course, another touchdown in overtime to to win it. But uh, uh, this year, then, of course, the, the Ravens win a two point game when uh uh he blocks the he blocks the uh kick uh, against boswell there have been eight total times that the game was decided by three points or less I'm, i want to make sure i have this right because i put it in my article but uh eight total times that the game is won by three i'm sorry seven came in games where the ravens margin of victory was three points or less they actually lost a game where they where they had a block but the margin was three points or less um and then they had one other by Will Hill that was returned mm-hmm. for uh, for a touchdown to win the game. People probably remember Brent Urban was playing his first game that that uh, mm-hmm. day, and Hill ran it back. A lot of people didn't want him to run it back because the uh, the draft pick implications in that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Brent Urban was right next to Campbell in this one. He he got his hand yeah. up pretty high as well. Yeah, that's it's. It's good to be tall, and mm-hmm. uh, you know you 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 go back anyway. If you want to if you want to have some history of the Ravens block kicks, I put some of that stuff in there. A lot of individual notes on that uh, that take you all the way back to one of the biggest plays in Ravens history in uh, two thousand, well January of two thousand one, when the the block field goal was returned ninety yards by uh, by Anthony Mitchell. This was a game just overarching quickly. This was a hardball. A Harbaugh formula win. I mean, if you could mm-hmm. paint a picture, John Harbaugh has been the head coach for what sixteen years now, um, or maybe not quite, but fifteen. Yep. You go, you go into Pittsburgh on the road against your arch rival with a third string quarterback. You play tough defense. You run the ball, and you win the game with special teams. I mean, it, yeah. it's that's Harbaugh in a nutshell. Yes, it was. It, it's it's so cool. And and if you if you can win by that formula, it's fantastic. But they they despite being out first down in the game they won snap count by eight so that wasn't where it was the Steelers had a lot of these uh 10-yard plays on first down that got them first down the Ravens had a lot of uh you know three three play first downs which ended up being absolutely critical on that eight minute drive Mm -hmm. so your third string quarterback who's never played an NFL game comes in and leads you on that eight play field goal sorry 13 play field goal drive over eight minutes to effectively salt the game away now it got unsalted pretty quickly in terms mm-hmm. of that, but I, that was incredibly impressive to me. Yes, for sure. That was really the key drive of the game, uh, longest drive of the game by far. And uh, yeah, again, just a, just a hardball Formula One. One more note about Chris Boswell, because everybody knows, of course, he's the next Justin Tucker. And there's a lot of next <laughs> Justin Tuckers out there, but um, he is now sixth all-time in field goal percentage at 87%. He's also sixth among active. So as you know, all the active field goal guys are the, are the leaders all time. Mm-hmm. And, and there's multiple reasons for that, but the biggest one is field goal accuracy is up. The next biggest run is that the active kickers generally haven't been through their decline phase. Mm-hmm. So they'll have a couple of bad years at the end where they, where they reduce, but he's at 87%. Now here's the trivia question for today is how many consecutive field goals would Chris Boswell need to make in order to catch Justin Tucker in career field goal percentage? I calculated uh, this before the show. So, um, He's about eight points behind. Uh, eight, eight, 91 87 is the current. Okay. So uh, let's say uh, 70. 
100. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, to me, incredible. And that's, that's two and a half years of making every kick, basically. Mm-hmm. He would have to have, or maybe even three in some cases, to, to, uh, in order to catch him. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, no. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, let's move on a little bit. The Ravens had a big problem with missed tackles in this game, and I think that's one of the under-the-covers really difficult thing. And I don't know about you, but that really was causing me to scream at the TV set. Yes. Uh, the one that really stands out to me was in the third quarter. Um, I believe it was a little uh, hitch pass to Sims that Hamilton and then especially Roquan um, allowed him to convert the first down. And it was like a two-yard catch plus maybe 10 yards yak. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it was not ideal. I'd say I thought phys- Pittsburgh was the more physical team. On both sides of the ball, Humphrey was the one really tone setter on defense, I thought. But Pittsburgh, I mean, that's their identity too, physical. So tip your hat a little bit as well. Fair enough. I, I did think that, that the Ravens had some physical play from the defensive line, from outside linebacker, but I would agree that that uh, uh, they did win some physical battles and they certainly won the missed tackle battle. Uh, the, the, the play you're talking about is one of five where – the Ravens surrendered a first down after a missed tackle. And admittedly, one of those is kind of a fake because Peters missed a tackle, and then he got an out-of-bounds fracas that was really mm-hmm. the reason for the first down. But he gave up a eight-yard play instead of a four-yard play by his failure to, to, to push a guy out of bounds. These were big missed tackles. And I, I often talk on this show about how, you know, there are a lot of missed tackles. They, they're not as serious. And even mm-hmm. if I go back to the very first one, I've got them all pointed out in my article, folks, if you want to go over there and take a look. But even if I go back to the, the the first missed tackle of the game that was really bad was the uh, – well, actually, Matt BK missed a, missed a run tackle. That wasn't very bad. But the third and four where Queen had Pickett for an S-8, minus he actually turned Pickett 180 degrees, and he got him stumbling out of the tackle, which basically meant Pickett was not going to recover. He might have gotten mm-hmm. rid of the football, but Roquan was on him like a cat, and and uh, you know all it ended up being was a, was a one-yard difference, so not a big deal. But the next five they missed – Every single one of them ended up costing him a first down. And, and that's a, just a nightmare game of results for that. Yeah, it was uh, it was tough. Um, you know, do you have, besides that one, who else was the, the main culprits? Uh, so I, I'll tell you all of them. Matabike uh, failed to take down running back Harris at one on an RR3. No big deal. Queen unable to pull down Pickett for S-8, but he retracted him and flushed him to S-7. And then the bad ones. After ATS, Bowser failed to take down Trubisky mm-hmm. for S minus seven. QB was then flushed left and threw PL10. That's really bad. Mm-hmm. Trubisky threw to wide receiver Sims, PR11, four plus seven, with a missed tackle from Peters at four yards. So basically, he had him at the catch point, and then it turned into seven yak that was enough for the first down. Oway had trailing coverage of the wide receiver Deontay Johnson. That was on that mm-hmm. left sideline, PL11, five plus six, one circle. He couldn't take him down at the catch point, which would have stopped him but uh, instead gave up six yards. And boy, I'm screaming at the TV set by this point. Yeah, that's a tough assignment for Oway, though. I will say, Johnson's one of the shiftiest players in the league. He he, he is. And Oway is fast and, and physical. And I would I would hope he could use his athleticism in space like that to take a, take a runner down. I, I, I understand. Yes, you're right. He's more mm-hmm. shifty. But uh, then a couple more. Warren, and this is the play you mentioned, was a PR14. Mm-hmm. It was minus two plus 16. And had a missed tackle from Smith at two yards. And then Peters failing to push Warren out of bounds at four yards, which we talked about earlier. That became an eight-yard run. And then Okorafor made the, we'll call it a veteran play to uh, 
kind of shoulder into Peters, and then Peters responded, of course. Was yeah, the, the second, second man. Why is yeah. it always a second? My, my buddy Jake, who I think recorded with you a couple sure. weeks ago, he was saying, how they always say it's the second man. Why can't they get it figured out? Why can't they yeah. decide, let's flag the first man? You know, <laughs> it's 2022. So, we could figure this out. You, you know, the, the thing would be you throw the flag, and that and that says the second man's getting it if the first man doesn't. But the first call is you go to the booth, the sky judge, and you say, mm-hmm. tell us what happened. And and if they, you know, then at that point, they call it on whoever they think is the appropriate person. And it should probably be the first instigator. And there might be times when it should be both people. Um, but you, you, you at least you have a chance to get it right, even without going to review to do it. Right. So, all right. Tough game for the officials. We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, they, they made some mistakes in this one. No doubt about it. Uh, let's see. What do we want to talk about next? Uh, so Pittsburgh converted four of eight third downs. It was the first time in the last six games the Ravens have given up over 30.8%. So they twice allowed four out of 13. They'd only be getting up 25% third down conversions over the previous five games, 50% in this one. That's only four of eight. But it was a ge- more general, generally um, symptomatic of a team that was moving the ball fairly effective until they gave it away. Right, right. I think they were really exploiting – a lot of the slot matchups on third down in particular. Yeah, they 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 had a a a lot of different matchup, but I agree. It basically comes down to you have Hamilton, who's not he's not exactly who you want in that position. He's just the best of what the Ravens have, mm-hmm. and they're actually asking Hamilton to play out a position where, yes, he should be a strong safety, a dime, a guy you you know you you flex around on the field to do some good things for you, but. Uh, he's not a slot cornerback, and and he, he's just there because he's the best option. So when other teams have shifty guys they can put in the slot, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Ravens. And uh, you know, one of the, the guests on the show I had for Know Your Foe said he didn't really expect that to be an issue because the, the Steelers and Matt Canada don't really adjust for anybody. They just run their offense again, you know, the way they want to run their offense. Well, I think Tomlin and you know he he definitely saved some. Uh, some some plays and for the Ravens matchup. I mean, that's they circle that both the two longest tenured coaches in the league besides Belichick, obviously. So they they always uh, bring out their best stuff for each other. I guess one of the other things was that you know when and this goes to your point about the slot corner matchups is that when the Ravens wanted to run any kind of blitz, um, the one of the things they often do is drop people from the edges to try and zone cover, and then those end up being matchup problems for whoever is there. And uh, and we saw the OA missed tackle was one big uh, instance of, of that in this game. But uh, the inside linebackers outside of the interceptions had some difficulty covering. They were they were thrown at a fair amount, thrown over a fair amount. Uh, but two interceptions, generally speaking, even if it's a fair number of plays, is going to be uh, just fine to, to even the ledger in a game like that. Yeah, I'll take that trade off. I'll take that trade off. <laughs> there you go. Uh Red zone success. The Steelers went one of three in the red zone. Obviously, the, the interceptions played a significant part in that and are now just five of their last 15. Uh, sorry, Ravens opponents are now just five of their last 15. Uh, that's been one of the really nice things about this Ravens defense. And I don't think that they have to be a bend, but don't break unit. But is it is it good that they have that quality from your point of view? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Takeaways are the name of the game. I think really in the modern NFL, the best defenses, they're not going to stop. You're not going to stop teams in uh, the two minute drill in four down territory. You're going to have to get some takeaways. That's really what, what a good defense is these days. 
I'm not is going it, back to 2000. Yeah, and that team had 49 takeaways anyway. So you're <laughs> right. Sure that completely. <laughs> but but the uh, the uh, uh, if we talk about the can you can you think of a is it is it logical that the team constructed as they are now would be so much better in the red zone than they are outside the red zone. They haven't been bad or anything. You know, obviously since, since Roquan has arrived, everybody's playing at a higher level. They got Bowser back, you know, the, the team is, is, you know, Hamilton is back now, but he was out, he was lost for a game and that really hurt the team. Um, you know, does it make sense that they would be better in the red zone given how they're constituted? I believe so. They're very strong up the middle. Um, and they're in a condensed situation where you're not, so there's not as much space. I think it makes sense that a team that has two good uh, inside linebackers, a very strong defensive line, and you know, really three safeties would be better in the red zone than you know between the twenties. Yeah, I, I I came to that same conclusion. I, that's uh, that's very well stated. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the Ravens' run defense then. Um, they've they've certainly been very successful, and when you look at it. I mean, they're looking like the 2000 Ravens these last six games now with with uh, they allowed 65 on 20 carries this week for 3.3. It's actually a little bit worse than they've been doing, but they've now allowed uh, 63.2 yards per game over the last six and 2.8 yards per carry. And if you, I, I forget if the, the exactly where the 2000 Ravens were, but it's right around 60 yards per game. Might have been 960 in 16 games they gave up, and it was two, I think 2.7 yards per carry. So that's awfully similar to the Siragusa and Adams gang? The run defense has been outstanding. I think even before the Roquan acquisition, the run defense was coming on strong. Um, let's not forget that they lost their, their you know, mid-contract price, Michael Pierce, uh, the, the, you know, the nose tackle. Um, I really like the defensive line. They have five men all playing at a high level, rotating in. Um, I also think that they're doing a pretty good job setting the edge. I, Jason Pierre-Paul had a very good game, I thought, setting the edge, made about three or four tackles on the edge where there was space behind him. And if he didn't make those tackles, uh, they probably would have been a pretty decent, you know, good run. Um, so I think the run defense has been fantastic. Yeah. You know, JPP has been one of the really players who's performed at a much higher level than I expected. And and it's been different. He's, he's created some pressure. It's not been a ton of pressure. But he's batted three passes down. He's held the edge extremely well. And I, I did not expect that. But now, I mean, the Ravens are depending on him. He's their starting outside linebacker on first down. They're trying, you know, as many snaps as they can get him on rundowns, they're getting him. And uh, that's just very cool. That 62% uh, of snaps for JPP. Yeah, I think he's definitely their best run defender uh, as far as edge, edge rusher, edge defender. Um, and I've noticed he's, he, I mean, he plays defensive end. You know, he's not Bowser off ball, which is a lot of four-man fronts. But that's they found a role for him that's successful, and they needed that player, especially after the tragic, uh, you know, passing of Ferguson. So I think he's been a very good addition. Yeah. And just it, uh, another, you know, there's a lot of people who are obviously down on Eric DaCosta at this point in terms of how he's provided this team with the proper positional groupings. But the the – the, the cheap acquisitions, the bargain bin acquisitions have been tremendous. And you know, you got a great bargain bin team when you're getting all these great acquisitions from players, play, all this great play from players in their thirties. It's not where you want to be. You want to have your draftees producing. You, you don't want to have your 35 year old guys or your 32 year old guys beating out these young guys for playing time. Mm -hmm. 
but you know JPP's played a high level. I don't know what they do without him. I mean, they, they you know they went out and they got, they got Justin Houston again mm-hmm. cheap, and you know they're they're going to pay something for that because he's got a, some some uh, uh, incentives that he's going to mm-hmm. earn. But that's worked out, and they've they've you know I think Brent Urban was a really good signing in terms of of what he's given the Ravens. And then uh, who's the fourth that I'm missing here? Drake. Uh, yeah, sure, Drake. I, I, he's not. He's not the one I'm most excited about. I'm, it's a. It's another defensive player, and I'm. Who, who have I not mentioned? This is terrible. Uh, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> they they don't really have a safety. A defensive. Well, Campbell. They've still. They've. They've still got. But uh, okay, I'm. I'm losing it. Well. I think the Houston and JPP acquisitions are maybe a little bit different than the traditional ones that Ozzy used to pull off and Doug Costa did because they play premium positions that you very rarely are able to find cheap players that produce as opposed to the devalued positions that are more available. Right. It, it is an offensive player. It's Deshaun Jackson. Jackson Deshaun yeah. Jackson has provided a lot of value. Demarcus Robinson has mm-hmm. provided a lot of value to the Ravens. I think they're, they, you know, it's, there's reasons to be excited about that. And they, I don't, I don't remember exactly what they played Robinson, but it's not a lot. And it's certainly not the Watkins kind of money where they, mm-hmm. you know, they paid him like 5 million for a year kind of thing, but it's like really one and exciting. A half. Yeah. Really exciting. They can get as much production as they have from, from players like that. And uh, Demarcus Robinson kind of looked from, I don't know about to you, but from that first exhibition game where he, you know, put two great moves on a, a you know, a guy who's probably not even on a practice squad anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that he'd be a part of the offense, and sure enough. Right. Oh, I think he probably kept his signing bonus from, I believe it was the Raiders that released him right before the Ravens picked him up. So that always helps the player take a little discount too. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the packages they used. And um, the, I'll, I'll go through a, a few of my notes as, as we have this, but there, there are a couple of big points I wanted to make. First of all, that they've gone exclusively to Hamilton as the slot corner. And so basically they played some form of big nickel on 44 of 53 snaps. So complete commitment to Hamilton. There's not even any. And, and last week, I think they had a couple snaps where they brought in Ardarius Washington in a lighter nickel for some third downs, like it would have been a rush nickel where they put three outside linebackers on the field and, and used our dares to Washington the slot and actually took Hamilton off. Well, they're not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, the only time they, they've used our Darius Washington is in dime coverage. Right. That's where I really saw him in the dime um, was coming in the two minute drill before halftime is I mm-hmm. believe where he got the majority of his snaps. Yeah. He had one late as well, but that's exactly right. He, he was on the field for that third and 13 stop. That was key before the block field goal, uh, but those those first three plays uh, of that drive at the end of the half, obviously, you tend to play a lot of dime right there, and it tends to be pretty good at slowing the other team getting down the field. And then, of course, they gave up three big plays right away with uh, with him in the ball game. For let's see, pass right for eleven, pass left for twenty five, pass right for seven, and then they pulled the dime off the field because they're already in field goal range. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's offending mm-hmm. anything anymore. So. I wonder if they'd be better off with going to quarter and putting stone as well in some yeah. of these situations. But when you have, you know, you trade for an inside backer, you want to keep them on the field. That's kind of the the give and take there. The, the other possibility is not going to Washington, but going to zone, going to, if you're going to play zone anyway, which you probably are when you, you know, are going to dime and you want to keep the play in front of you in the last two minutes, it's a, it's a good place to have stone on the field anyway, even if you, if you play him in the slot and he ends up with a, uh, short zone responsibility, or if you play him on the back end where he's extraordinarily useful 
as a you know a split safety on the back end. You bring Clark up, who has mm-hmm. a lot of ability to tackle and move around. And um, I thought I thought Clark, by the way, had a really good game here. Um, good tackler, made up for a lot of other people's errors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put Stone and Williams both, you know, on the back end together. That's a, an umbrella that I'd like to see, a pairing I'd like to see together for sure. I think we'll see some of it. I I, I really do because I can't believe they they after Geno Stone played so well all the time Williams was out that he's destined to be on the bench the rest of the year. It's just that's too much talent to be to be keeping there. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm sure I I don't think this is going to happen. Okay, but I think the Ravens probably could consider giving Stone the green dot at some point, and maybe it's next year. But allowing uh, Clark to take more snaps off or or reducing Clark role, Clark's role to a dime back. I mean, he's a very good player, so it's hard to juggle all these good safeties you have. But on the other hand, Stone being a third-year player, they really need to figure out what they have and keep him on the field mm-hmm. full-time if they're going to try and re-sign him, which they might try and do early at the end of this year. I, I don't think it'd be a terrible thing if, they, if, if they're making a decision that they have to move on from Clark and have to let him go. Mm-hmm. Then Stone is a very reasonable alternative as a guy to keep in-house. Right. And then next year you have Hamilton as a starting strong safety who comes down to be the dime backer. Um, I think that'd be a great, a great trio. Yeah. And Hamilton probably ends up with a green dot, but if you didn't even feel comfortable with that, you can keep stone with a green dot and Hamilton in the same role to start the season. Uh, Stone has already had the green dot for one game as a Raven. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, not, uh, not certainly outrageous. And I guess there's always a possibility they might go to the green dot with Roquan. He's, he's only missing a few snaps per game. So, it could be if if he comes back, he's the guy, or or you know potentially Queen as well, if they only have one of the two guys um, there. I prefer I prefer the strong safety. Uh, I think that just helps communication better. You want to you want to communicate from the back to the front in a lot of ways. So that's what I prefer. But we'll see how it goes. I, I like it better. I think that's not a bad point at all. But what I really like it for is complete flexibility in removing the inside linebackers when you want to. Yep. So. You have 100%. it if you if you do that. So what else did I want to say about packages here? Um, they used for the first time I can ever recall. They used all five active defensive linemen on the same plate. Now it has probably happened in Ravens history, and it would be kind of a project for me to go back and go through all the plays to see if it actually has happened. But um, it, it was fairly remarkable. So they used JPP as a down lineman. They had six six men down, and they had every, all five of their active actual DLs not including JPP, obviously, on the field. And unfortunately, still couldn't get the couldn't get the play stopped. Play stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what's, what was the down and distance? That was a, first and goal at the one. First and goal at the one. Okay. Tough ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. No. Uh, that was the one where Harris went over the top, right? Harris went over the top. Uh, Roquan is just a little bit late, but had it's the late. right idea and going for the ball. Yeah, I, I had the same note. They were late, you know, attacking the ball. So. Uh, let's see what else we got to talk about here in terms of packages. Uh, there was fewer extreme packages this week. So they had four snaps of rush dime, but last week they had a whole bunch of extreme ones. They, they had race car on the field. They had uh, various types of dime on the field uh, to try and get out of it. They played a quarter snap at the end of the half, I believe, at the end of the half end of the game when they put Stevens on, one of those two. Uh, so so they, they tried a lot of different extreme packages, and the extreme packages were basically 
how they ended up with drive ending plays. And they stopped the Broncos, obviously, every single drive from getting a field goal, from getting anything more than a field goal. Um, so they had a drive ending play on, on, on all those drives. And uh, they were doing it with extreme packages this week. Not extreme packages at all. Four snaps of rush time. You mentioned exactly when they occurred. Four at the end of the first half, and then another one late in the game on third and 13. But other than that, uh, they ran all nickel uh, for the entire game, except for the one or four snaps of base and, and one jumbo. I think they had a pretty good idea of what Pittsburgh was trying to do. If Pittsburgh still had Claypool, if they hadn't traded Claypool and they were going to more 10, I think you would have maybe seen some more variation. But, uh, you know, it, for what it was, when you have really good players, you don't need to be as exotic, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that's necessarily going to be a trend throughout the year. It's more matchup dependent. Yeah, I I, it's, I don't disagree with that. But when you talk about who gets swapped out on those plays, it's defensive linemen who get swapped out. I mean, just when you go from base to nickel, for example, you're, you're, you're taking out a, a defensive lineman, you bring in a slot corner. That's that's the basic football substitution. In fact, I always tell people, you want to be the smart guy in the section? Just look at watch the substitution. If a defensive lineman <laughs> comes out and, a, and a, corner, a slot corner comes on, you go, hey, they're going to nickel. And you can be that guy <laughs> in the section who always has defensive formation. But, the, <laughs> but if, you, if you want to go a little further than that and say, you know, when they're bringing on the dime, uh, you know, it's it's a inside linebackers who get replaced after that to move to diamond quarter and it's defensive linemen who get further moved out for outside linebackers. The positive I like from that is when you, when you remove more defensive line snaps from the equation, the most tired defensive position of all gets more rotation. I'm a big plus mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Number two is inside linebacker, which is a tiring as hell position to play also because of the sideline to sideline needs of it. And just, Watch who's got their hands on their hips late in a football mm-hmm. game. Inside linebackers are usually right there with the defensive linemen. Uh, it, it, you're, you give them a chance to rotate where they normally don't for a lot of teams. Just a couple snaps off here, a couple snaps off there. You know, maybe It may be 10 snaps a game for each of two very good inside linebackers like the Ravens have right now. Um, and and you, you gain a rest bonus from it that is just a little bit better uh, than it otherwise might be. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to that point, and we've talked about it, the value of inside linebackers a few times, but it's very few inside linebackers are going to be better in coverage than any safety. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you, unless you're Luke Keekley, um, you know, Roquan Smith's a very good coverage inside linebacker, but he's not better than Geno Stone. He's just not. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a trade off. Maybe you're sacrificing a little bit of, of run defense, but when you have a very good run defense, maybe that's a trade off worth making. That, that exact statement would be on the Ten Commandments I would chisel on on whatever tablet. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm, I'm that age where I'm still thinking about chiseling things on a tablet instead of using a, using a computer to properly do it. But no, seriously, that the uh, you know playing dime, I think you, you gain so many other benefits of not having a three-down linebacker, not relying on a three-down linebacker uh, to be another all the time in terms of injury and contract and whatnot. You can just do it much more cheaply with specialists. And the fact that your third safety is always better than your second inside linebacker in coverage means you should pretty much always be playing dime when the situation arises. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Outstanding stuff. Well, Voss, let's talk about, tell folks one more time where they can, where they can find you on Twitter. Yes. I'm at Vasilis beatdown, V A S I L I S beatdown. All right. And uh, other folks out there, uh, what we're trying to get, ask people to do is to take this podcast to someone who's not aware of it. So we got a lot of fans of the show, and I really appreciate you, the most loyal fans who could ever be. But if if you would, 
please show someone else, an older gentleman uh, or anyone else who just isn't maybe in the podcast space that they don't always download things to their phone. Show them how to bring it up on their computer. You just go to filmstudybaltimore.com, click on podcast. You can play it directly off the computer. They have my permission to play it at their work. Okay. So, <laughs> so I'm sure that's meaningful to them, but, uh, you know, seriously, it's, it's an opportunity to, to get some new fans of the show. And, and, uh, we could really, we would really appreciate that if, uh, if you do that for us, well, Voss, we'll be back for part two in a, in a moment, but thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on film study. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.